0: Welcome to Hope Through Hard Stuff, a podcast from winning at home. Please welcome your host, speaker, and award-winning author, Steve Norman.
1: Welcome back to Hope Through Heart Stuff. I'm really excited to have as our guest today, my friend and mentor and one of my kind of personal heroes, Pam Van Putten. Pam has a great ministry history. She currently works at the Center for Ministry Studies at Hope College right here in Holland. Pam, thanks for joining us
0: today. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Pam, talk about your ministry journey. You've had a couple different iterations that God has Mm -hmm. brought you through. Um, Talk about how you kind of towed into ministry waters and how it brought you to the Mm -hmm. spot that you're at today.
0: Yeah. Well, I definitely think that God had a hand in leading as I sort of fumbled through the many different years of calling. Went to Hope College not knowing what exactly I wanted to go into, so I thought maybe communications or education, but then got involved as a volunteer with Young Life and fell in love with relational ministry and just walking alongside people hearing their stories and learning from them and encouraging them along the way so that's what stuck with me and then a few years later even maybe a year or two after college i was asked to be part of a a ministry team like at a church with youth ministry and this was in 1989 <laughs> where there weren't a whole lot of women in ministry at in that kind of way and so again fumbled along and walked alongside some incredible students and families and did that on and off through a few different churches in like a 30-some year period. I did some worship leading and some music ministry with a dear friend, Lynn, and some other friends, and just had a lot of different experiences in calling to ministry. And then there was an opportunity maybe about eight years ago to work at Hope College and help students who are considering a call in ministry, uh, getting them a mentor to walk alongside them, as well as helping them find internships in nonprofits and churches. And it has truly been one of the biggest blessings in my life. So yeah, the weaving ebb and flow of my life. And in many years, I was home as a mom and didn't didn't work for several years and worked part-time many years and full-time some years. So it, it has definitely been a journey.
1: Damn, that's great. Talk a little bit about what you get to do now and why you find that mm-hmm. life-giving for you. Like what what, sh- what are some of the highlights that helping students kind of discern call and discern internships, yes. uh, how is that fun for you?
0: I think the most fun for me is when I get to know them because they get to become part of the minor, usually their sophomore, fresh, later so- freshman year or sophomore year, some even juniors, and we sit and talk. And I just get to hear some of their dreams and thoughts about what would it be like if I did this, or this is what I've seen in my life on a mission trip that I took or a camp that I went to, but what could I do with that? And processing and walking alongside and then kind of pushing them out to dream a little bit beyond, often I'll hear the word, I just want to do this. And I'm like, just let's think, let's raise the ceiling a bit and let's dream about this. And then they're like, well, if I really could, then they start dreaming. And we try to find an internship that's there and help them find an organization. And Holland and this community, Grand Rapids, and even the, the Christian community at large, there are so many awesome connections and organizations that, are better when they have this age group coming and with fresh eyes and fresh energy and um, excitement, anticipation, and are willing to work with them, learn from them, because I feel like I learn so much more from the student and their genuine curiosity than anything that I can give them. And so just dreaming with them and then trying to find a match somewhere.
1: And do you have any examples where something just either A, really sparked and the opportunity just allowed a student to grow wings or conversely, maybe they said, oh, after doing this for a summer, I've realized that this is not what I want to spend my time and energy doing. Like, because both of those are successful in their own right.
0: Yes, and that's what we say is there really isn't, there isn't a failure, there's just a learned lesson In this experience, because when they're taking a risk to dream, sometimes with that comes a reality of that isn't exactly what I thought. I had an image of what youth ministry or worship ministry or nonprofit was going to be like. And then I got in there and I realized I don't even have a desire for it anymore. And honestly, why not figuring that out while they're in college then post-college, then trying to have the pressure of a career choice, and then they get there and they don't like it or want to do it. I, that basically happened with me as, as I was going along in my major. I thought, well, I, I've got to do something with this, so how about education? And I went into teaching, and I student-taught the semester after I graduated, and I loved everything about the encounter with the students and the kids and the classroom, but I didn't feel like a connection to being a teacher. Mm. But then I had gotten that far, well, I have to, well, I have to. And then I realized, no, I've gotta take the hard decision, and what I really love is ministry. And that was, there wasn't a whole lot of options. So to have someone initiate, would you like to work with us at this church, was a risk on their part because it had never really happened and it was a risk on my part to let go of this expectation of me being a teacher and move into ministry and we've had that with students where one said she wanted to be a therapist and a counselor and a social worker and she got into an internship and like two months in she was like this is not what I thought this is not how I feel comfortable as a person. And it was just her skill set wasn't. But then she was like, but I really am intrigued with seminary, and I think I might want to be a pastor. And so then ended up going to, we have a, it's coming up this week, we have a seminary. where 25 seminaries and um, organizations that for Christian grad schools, they come to HOPE and they have a fair. And she walked around for like two hours and talked to dozens of these people that are recruiting, and she ended up picking a grad school, and she's completely gone a different direction. But she had to have some of those hard feelings as well as making some hard decisions and taking some risks to see that play out.
1: Pim, it's one thing to watch other people's kids walk through that journey. It's another to do it with your own. Mm-hmm. How have you found some of those, your ministry experiences help you as a parent? Mm-hmm. And how was parenting your kids through their own discernment process just its own adventure?
0: Mm-hmm. It always. And and the parenting adventure is it, it ebbs and flows in every season of your life, like my personal life as well as theirs. Right, and and that's one thing. I I reached out to a bunch of current college students and graduates about this very thing: is what would you want your parents or grandparents to like know about what you need, and 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 even with my own. With my own kids, I have a 30-year-old son and I have a 26-year-old daughter. And just watching their journey, growth, faith, making decisions, finding their way, all of us as parents, most of us would say that we want our kids to have a sense of independence and find the person that they are and the gifts that they have and utilize that. But the world that we're in makes it really hard because of the performance pressures and all the different expectations they perceive as well as sometimes they're, f- they're sensing from either us or from their, their community of adults. And I would say that almost everyone says we need as much love and support and encouragement, but we also need you to believe in us and believe that we can figure this out and give us the opportunity and the tools to figure it out on our own. And how do you balance that? because even myself as a parent have over parented in areas and over got myself over involved or enmeshed in certain situations. But then other times I felt like we were in a good rhythm. And I think every parent can say, Oh, if I could do that differently or if right. I, I'm so thankful that we have this relationship that we're navigating in this in this season.
1: I'm so encouraged you to hear you say that because I think sometimes we get stuck as parents saying like, "Oh, if 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 there's so much pressure." not just on kids, but there's pressure on parents to make sure that their kids get it right in quotation marks. Right? Mm -hmm. So I think that sometimes when we do overstep, there can be that like, oh no, I I broke my kid. Like I weighed in too heavily on this decision and they picked the the wrong school or they picked the wrong career or they're dating the wrong person. And now I can't undo it. And I think that it's encouraging to hear you talk about like, it's, it's a dance. Sometimes you're going to step on your partner's toes and then you back off and you give them some space and maybe they come back or maybe they don't immediately. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Like God sees them and knows them and loves them and is with them and for them in ways that we can't be or do but i think that i just i'm so encouraged to hear you say that like god knows our kids and holds our kids and our greatest gift to our kids is just to be reminding them that he does yes
0: yes and to have the honest vulnerability to apologize where needed Mm. to own our own issues if we can if we even know what they are sometimes. Sometimes we're the last to know some of the things that we do, but also to seek repair. Like the word that has really stuck with me through many years is how do you repair things that you've said or done years ago or things that you're doing currently so that you can create a deeper connection with your child or with your spouse or with your friendships and move toward like working it out but moving on and not letting it like be stuck and stay stuck in the way we used to do it or the way we've done it. Have grace for each other, have grace for ourselves to be able to repair the places and then speak into that and then move on and how to do that graciously.
1: If you feel comfortable sharing an example, do you have a snapshot of what one of those repair moments or conversations look like for you as a mom?
0: I think there's just I think there's been so many times and I mean even trying to think of one scenario or situation is I I have tremendous amounts of empathy and I care very deeply for my kids as well as for a lot of other people's kids and the sense of urgency or the longing to resolve something that's an ongoing thing that we're just struggling with and to be able to just say I am sorry with some of the ways that I handled this scenario or this situation and I love you and forgive me and we're in it together and you're stuck with me (laughs) and you have
1: moments where your kids have received that from you
0: yes do you have moments where they didn't yes (laughs) absolutely. what do you do
1: if you make like an attempt repair and you feel like your kid just isn't in a spot where they believe you or they want to trust you.
0: I think then you give them space. Okay. Because I think trying to to prove that you're trying to repair something can almost force it before it's ready. Yeah. And I think I think again and I I, I don't I don't blame us often as Christians that it's our just our issue, but often we want At least as a person, I want so much for everything to be okay. Right. And there's a lot of times in our lives, there's a lot of hard things. Every student, every person that I asked this question of in these last few days when I knew I was coming was, it's hard. Hmm. This is hard. Mental health is hard. And... The world that we're in and the decisions and the pressures and financial pressures or emotional or relational pressures, it's hard. And so how to live in the awareness and reality of the hard things, but also to feel the sense of grace and gratitude and moving through. One of our family, whenever we go on a trip, we would always say, we need to be helpful, grateful, flexible. And by the end of the trip, my kids are looking at me and say, mom, (laughs) you need to be helpful, grateful, flexible. And so honestly, it's all of our issue and relationship and, and how can we remember those things as the end, as the day or the week or the issues keep coming up and we get in our own heads with things and we forget those simple principles or we forget our time with God all of this if we don't have an active connection with the word and with God personally all of this will be a lot harder and will be tougher to resolve if we're not seeking God's word and seeking his presence in the midst of it because it's hard
1: yeah Pam, I, I've heard uh, Parker Palmer talk about, like in his book, Let Your Life Speak, about how so much of understanding self and discerning calling is listening to yourself and listening to some of your own longings and your own, maybe even your own hurts and your own dreams. How how have you lived that out in your own life or how have you seen that work out in the lives of students mm-hmm. that you work with?
0: The, the longings that we have often are either things that we wish were different or we wish were and aren't yet and so living in the patience and the surrender to god's like big picture we see a small little glimpse of the big picture and so how can we walk every day knowing that god sees the big picture that we can surrender and trust in that even when we have longings and desires and struggles and how do we stay open-handed with that to him and keep that communication if we want to have open positive healthy communication with each other we need to actively seek that out with God mm. and and that will that will filter and shift The way that we communicate. One of my dearest friends right now is giving her first hour of every day to the Word. And she's been, she was going to do it for 40 days. She's been doing it. She said, I think she's on like 140 or 200. I mean, it's just a lot of days. And not everybody has an entire hour, but she wakes herself up. And she gets in the word and she writes and journals and she surrenders. And sh- I've seen a difference in her presence mm. because she's given her time first to God. And that that is a challenge. And I tried a couple of times and maybe a week or two and I struggle with that because I sleep in or I get my mind gets going or I reach for my phone and I'm not saying that that's what we all have to do sure. but I do know that giving God our first things yeah even for 10 minutes can we even do 10 minutes where we grab the word of God first and we say lord Open my eyes to this today. Give me wisdom to understand your word. Give me wisdom to encounter every person that I have today. And may this start my day with you. And how will that look? How will a month from now look if we do that? And I'm, I am I want to challenge myself and start that up. But I've seen a tremendous shift in her life when she did that. I love hearing you say that,
1: Pam, because it's a reminder that The world will never give that to you like you don't you don't stumble across silence and solitude and reflection and scripture like it's just just not an accident. It's something that you have to fight for. Mm -hmm. It's a path that you have to cultivate if you want to grow something good. I remember Timothy Keller saying once he goes, if you need wisdom and you read like a chapter of Proverbs, you won't have wisdom. He's like, but if you commit to engaging the wisdom of scripture over time, to your point about your friend, he's like, in six months, you will be wiser than you were when you started. And I always used to joke, like when I was in college, we would always joke about flipping and pointing. Like we needed discernment. So let's just flip through the pages of scripture and then randomly point out a verse and hope that that's the right answer. Well, that's, that's superstition. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's just being lazy. Mm -hmm. But to be able to say, again, our discernment process shouldn't be pulling a fire alarm. Like, oh God, I'm in an emergency. Tell me what to do. It's have I carved a path in my brain? Like, have I carved the neural pathways and the rhythm in my schedule that allow me to be with God? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that I can hear from God and not just like need God as a compass so that I know where to go to school, who to marry or what my job should be. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, and there's so many voices and it's so loud and the world will, the internet is always open. There's always access with our phones, with any kind of way that we want to gain our information and gather information. So, in order for us to figure out what voices sometimes the silence and just the still small voice of quietness in centering ourselves with with God with christ is is absolutely the clearest thing, but it's not easy, and sometimes it's overwhelming, sometimes it uncovers and it unlocks those fears and those. Things that the darkness that we wrestle with becomes more prevalent as we're leaning in to, to being in the presence of Christ. But through it, in it, each day, every day, and even through the grace of not every day, because again, that. That one hour pressure of I've got to give one hour can become itself an idol, Right? can become itself a look at me, look what I can do. But could it more be, this is really hard for me to do. I can't even give 10 minutes, but I need to for my own sake. And look what God's doing in my life through just me surrendering 10 minutes a day. Yeah. And I think
1: there's a beauty in that, Pam, because I I grew up in a tradition that was like super legalistic and my pendulum over the course of the decades swung pretty wide the other way. Yeah. And I think that there's a, a healthy space in the middle to be able to say, like Paul even says, like, I make myself do hard things mm-hmm. so that I can wa- I can be the kind of person that I wanna be with Jesus. And I'm relearning that as well, to be able to say like, if discipline is a means to like earn in good with God, then that, then that's wrong. But if discipline is a way for me to be with God intentionally, Family, that that's a gift mm-hmm. to me and yeah. it's a way by which I honor God. And I, and I think those patterns are going to be different people with different personalities through different avenues and different seasons. Right. But to say, well, it just doesn't work for me to do that this season because I'm busy is its own form of sloth.
0: Right. Right. And, and can you modify it knowing yourself Right. and say, okay, maybe for me to wake up or to do something regular like this is as i'm envisioning it it isn't right but what if i take a 10 minute 20 minute walk outside and i have a, the word of god in my ear through through an app yeah and and i commit for 10 or 15 minutes to do that or at the end of the day cuz that's when often in my life it's better for me cuz even though there's lots going on i could carve out 10 more minutes at the end of the day or 40 minutes and take a walk sit outside sit out on your back porch even when it's freezing cold this if we can see the stars <laughs> right. and in michigan it's hard to see but just get some connection where you can sense that you are not the all of the universe yeah right <laughs> and you are connecting with the god and the creator of the universe for a few minutes to just surrender your day or your time or your thoughts to him.
1: Kara Powell wrote a book on spirituality for young adults and they talked about the three big questions a lot of teenagers and people, college age students are asking is like, do do I matter, uh, do I belong and what am I here for? And she says the, most, the, the greatest gift that parents and mentors and teachers can give students is you're loved by God, you belong to the people of God and you are called to the purposes of God and helping helping wow. students and again that's not that's not limited to 18 to 22 year olds no. i need to, i need to hear that we every day from the people day. that i love but i think that's so important because in, in a world there, where there's just no shortage of bombardment of stimuli, mm. it's sound, it's image, it's touch. It's like, every, like it's just craziness in ways that we've never been able to do before. And and there are students are dealing with an influx of imagery that they haven't had to deal with before. Like just the other night, I care deeply about what is happening in the Middle East. And I was Ugh. just scrolling through a photographer's um, Instagram feed about what's happening in, in Israel and Gaza and I just went into a dark place, Pam, yes. because there's nothing I could do. Yes. And I realized to your point about ending my day, if I end my day online, I'm either I'm either looking for amusement or I'm looking for information. But Either one of those aren't really empowering for me because either one, I'm trying to reset outside of a, of a, a spiritual stillness mm-hmm. or I'm trying to figure out what's happening in the world so I can fix it. And then when I realize that I can't, right, that can lead to despair. Mm-hmm. So part of it is I had a, heard a great question, a spiritual question from a mentor a long time ago. She said like, Lord, just show me what's mine to own. Mm. And the truth is like very little of it is ours to own, but the small slice that is ours. It matters. Yes, and there's joy. There's joy and purpose and life in it. Does that make any sense?
0: And and when you have a chance in your day or in your week to quiet and center down, it settles some of the franticness. Yeah, because God isn't surprised. Right, and He's not unaware. Right, and He's not grieving what is going on with all of his people right and so it it isn't that we have to i've heard that when you worry your heart rate goes up your adrenaline rises so you feel like you're working right you feel like you just ran or did something that's that's actually productive but it is the least productive right. thing you can actually do right so how can you take some breaths calm your soul with the presence of God so that then you can clearly, even a little clearly, it isn't like, oh, everything's going to completely clear up. We're still going to have the craziness, but can we sense and get a connection with God so that we can have a sense of peace in the midst of the unrest and the things that aren't resolved because worrying isn't going to resolve any of it but but being with god will give us at least a sense of maybe some ways to help and what can i do how can i make sense of this world but also what can i do what is god's gifted me to do just in my space today how what influence do i have the littlest thing it, we don't have to be a big deal we aren't a big deal and but god is yeah. so how can we continue to magnify him and and honor him because he is truly the one that will do what we need him you know what will ultimately be resolved.
1: Pam talking about worry, I think there are a lot of parents of young adults or grandparents, aunts, uncles, mentors who get a, who are feeling worried now because of the way that young people that they love are engaging or not engaging the church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're cynical. Maybe they're frustrated. Maybe they're deconstructing. What do you say to people whose very understandable gut reaction is to is to panic and to maybe overreact and try to, like, grab a hold of their kids and and maybe guilt or shame them into saying certain things about what they believe or getting them to, you know, punch this card for X number of church attendance over You're the right. course of a month? What do, you, what do you say to people who are in that space?
0: I think... What we desperately need in our churches is a true sense of community. And the, to me, one of the best ways is if, there's, if you have a grandchild or a child or a, a student that you know or work with that is this age, invite them and two or three of their friends over for dinner hmm. and have a meal And maybe it's after church. Maybe you don't talk about church for the first few times and you just share a meal. You get to know this person. You create a sense of relationship and community. And then the discussions and the conversations of faith can come up more naturally. And then you can process what is it about the church that you're not connecting to? Why? Because they might have some really good insights as to what they see or what they're discouraged or disillusioned by. Um, often we've said that this age group votes with their feet, mm-hmm. meaning if they don't want to be there, they will get up and they will walk out. Mm-hmm. Maybe not in the middle of a service, but they just, they just won't come. back. Yeah. And why aren't they coming back? Is it an integrity issue? Is it they don't need me? Or are they, are they, is it so becoming so program-driven that we're creating a program we assume they will want and mm. of course they'll come, but we haven't actually met them yeah. where they're at and had honest, true conversations. So I think if every member of a church could host a meal or a community thing to create a sense of relationship and then the invite and the ask to come makes a lot more sense.
1: 100%, so good. Pam, last question. Out of your work with your own kids and the students that you interact with on a regular basis, what gives you hope about this generation? Like for, ever, for everything that people get like angsty about, um, about the things that kids are struggling with these days and the impact that COVID has had on kids or that school debt has on kids or that anxiety and mental health and Instagram and all these other threats. Yes. What gives you courage and joy about seeing this generation of college students thrive and flourish?
0: So what has been absolutely incredible this specifically this year is the conversations that i've had with so many students and my own kids and their friends there is so much intentionality they want to have an impact. They want to do something that's purposeful. They are initiating conversations. They're they're coming to me. Often it, through the years, I would meet with a student, I would make the appointment, I would sit down with them, I'd hear what they'd say, and then I would come up with three or four different options for them and then I would help that happen. Yeah. They're coming to me now great. and saying, This is what I feel strong about, this is what I wanna learn about. And maybe they don't know what their passion, I think we've over, there's almost this passion, like, I don't know, that's almost not a word that needs to be part of the conversation. It's more like, what am I intrigued with, or interested in, or where do I wanna help? They'll come and they'll initiate these conversations. And I have seen so much thoughtfulness so much um, awareness and just willingness to step in and do the hard thing they want the hard thing they want to be able and yes they're tired and exhausted and sometimes they'll say i just feel like i'm helpless and i don't know what to do but honestly they're longing and wanting to do things and i'm seeing them step up more just even in the last couple years than i have in a long time so it's i'm very very encouraged
1: I'm so glad to hear it.
0: Pam, thank you so
1: much for doing the great work that you're doing. Thank you for encouraging those of us who who love kids or, you know, we call them kids, but young adults and want to see them thrive.
0: Yes. And thanks for the impact that you're having on our community. Well, Well, thank you for the opportunity to talk. And thanks for all the ways that you are being like a light and fresh voice in this in this community, but way beyond this. Thank you so much, Steve.
1: Well, it really is my pleasure. Thanks so much for listening. This is Hope Through Hard Stuff. We'll catch you next time.
0: Thanks for listening to Hope Through the Hard Stuff. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe to it, rate and review it, and then share it with others. Winning at Home offers hope through counseling and coaching, motivational speaking community events, and other media resources. If you believe in what we do and want to support us in our mission, consider making a donation at winningathome.com.